Hey, just want to take a quick break from this episode so I could tell you guys about how I just launched my new Patreon page. If you don't know about Patreon, it's a great way for people to support creators with a monthly subscription. Becoming a Patreon supporter can even come with a few perks, like early access to new episodes and getting special shoutouts on the podcast. I've recently started working part-time at my job so I can focus more time and energy on the podcast and YouTube channel. So any support would be massively appreciated, and it helps me towards my hope of making this my full-time job someday. So if you want to help support me in that, please head over to patreon.com slash hooptheory. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hooptheory. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to the Mark Eaton episode of the Hoop Theory Podcast, aka episode 72, which is in honor of him being the best player ever to be selected with the 72nd pick in the NBA draft. My name is Logan Wortman, recording this one on the afternoon of Sunday, February 4th, and as usual, I'm joined by my proud co-host, Jacob Roth. Jacob, how does it feel to be on the Mark Eaton episode? I'm doing pretty good. This is round two. We had a little bit of a recording snafu, so I did just learn today, um, my brain went like... Mark Eden dropped 72. That's wild. And then my brain like thought about it. I'm like, wait. And then you informed me that it was the pick. Mm-hmm. It is not the number of points he had. Because Mark Eaton, in one of the slowest eras of basketball in terms of number of possessions, wasn't necessarily known for being a, a straight Score. bucket. Yeah. At all. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that would be wild if he scored 73 as his career high. Or 72, excuse me. 73 is a big, important one. It's a big, juicy mm-hmm. one. So... Uh, we'll talk about that next time, but I'm excited. Uh, we've got a lot of great things lined up and, uh, we got the creative juices flowing. So let's, let's get her done. Yeah. We just did about two hours almost of, of a podcast episode that we could have, we could have pretended that it was shorter, but it's cool. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I realized all of a sudden, you know, I just wanted to go check to see how long we had been recording. And I saw that, uh, there was no time going up. There was just zeros on the clock. So my recording had stopped at some point. So uh, yeah, we're taking another go at it, but still should feel pretty fresh, maybe less uh, rambly, more precise this time around. Maybe this is what we should do every time. Yeah, honestly, just record two episodes every single time as a, one, one's practice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, the last time we actually put out an episode was before the big thing happened where we, you know, it's a milestone moment. We were on another podcast. We got invited onto a different podcast, which is actually a really good podcast. Uh, that everybody should go listen to the Hoop Journal podcast on Spotify um, and other places. I think I, I just I know for sure it's on Spotify though. Uh, go follow them on Instagram too. They they have a lot of stuff there. Hoop Journal underscore is the uh, oh. tag to look at on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They are definitely a part of my regular listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have them over on this episode so you guys can get a little bit of of, of a taste. Uh, we just got to figure out the scheduling times of that because I just moved. And it's just a whole craziness. But uh, Mitch and Dion know their stuff. I was definitely the dumbest person in the room when we did a uh, a All Star draft. It was a cool little thing. Telling everybody now, I did take at least one Celtic because that would the world would be over and you wouldn't be listening right now if I did not take a Celtic because mm-hmm. um, that means Armageddon has happened. <laughs> uh, 
So anyway, uh, th- it's really good, a lot of fun. Again, that's Hoop Journal. I think I know they're on Spotify. That's where I listen to them, mm-hmm. and I know they're on Instagram because that is where I follow them. And they do a little bit different form of Instagram content than we do, but it's still good. Gets a lot of good uh, news, kind of flashes at you. Yeah, which is honestly how you keep up to date on the wild world that is the 2023-24 NBA season. Yeah, for sure. So that was a, a good time. Glad we have, you know, some some peers in the basketball coverage industry now. Uh, that should be good uh, for everybody to get more stuff from both of us in the future. But also something that I wanted to mention up top here was the TikTok following that we have there. That You know, that's where our main audience is, obviously. We got 5K almost. We're coming up on 5K followers there. And the reason why we're addressing this is because uh, we've announced for a while now, kind of just, ha- you know, lazily at the end of episodes that we're going to give away a jersey, a free jersey to a follower once we reach 5K. We're at 46 something right now, I believe. So 4614. 4614, exact number. And so once we reach 5K, we will be giving out a jersey of your choice to a follower. The way we're going to do the entry thing, you know, enter your name into this drawing is to comment on this clip that you're watching right now on TikTok on. uh, Yeah, it has to be on TikTok because that's where we're getting the followers. So on this TikTok clip right here, right now, got to comment what jersey you want. And we do have some restrictions on what you can get. So, Jacob, what are those restrictions? Um, So can't get a Miles Bridges jersey because Mm -hmm. I don't think that you should be able to get one in general because the only one that should exist is like a, a orange jump shoot. Because Miles, <laughs> um, Miles Bridges is a is a is a garbage person. <laughs> He's um, made garbage decisions, at least. Yes, He's done garbage at the minimum. Things. And then if you get a Draymond Green, we're going to assume that you're a baby, so you have to get a extra youth small. Yep, a youth extra smaller, the smallest size that we can possibly get. Man makes. <laughs> small you just get a draymond green warriors onesie uh yeah just kidding it'll be a jersey but um those are the only two stipulations that we have uh uh-huh. other than that free game city editions are good good for this year's city editions and jerseys anyway we will reach out to you once we get to the five thousand. look at this clip and yeah those yeah. are the stipulations. I don't uh-huh. have anything else to add. You can cut. But yeah, th- thanks. Thanks, everybody, for following us over oh, the, these past several months. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, 4,600, almost 5,000 people that ever, you know, like, we were all people that have been on the internet, and you always see the people, oh, I'm so thankful for, I didn't get it. I was like, whatever. I get it now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's crazy that I'm not just talking to the nothingness. Yeah. There's people that think I have Down syndrome in the nothingness. <laughs> I don't, and I'm thankful for all of you, even if you think my takes are whack. It's fine because I'm a football guy mostly. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's all. Thank you. Comment in this video or clip, whatever. And if you're listening to the full podcast, get ready for some high-quality entertainment. Yeah, so moving on from that, the thing that I feel like is at the top of the list of news is the Embiid situation. Yeah. How, you know, he's having... One of the best seasons of all time. We, you know, we had a whole episode about that, about you posing the question of, you know, whether it's okay. It's Patrick Beverly crazy to call it one of the best seasons of all time. Uh huh. So yeah, it's definitely in that area. If 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 he would were to play, like if you take games played out as a variable, like don't even factor that in. Definitely a case for the best season ever. 
but he's going to be definitely struggling in the games played department. He's played 34 of the 48 so far, and he just tore his meniscus, his lateral left lateral meniscus. <laughs> so we looked at this earlier. It's the left lateral meniscus. He has a displaced flap. Mm. One of the big options is surgery, and that would probably put him out for the rest of the season. Um, and this is... It was kind of a weird timeline thing. So we're recording this, as Logan said, to open things up on the 4th of February, which is a Sunday. This past Tuesday is when the injury happened. Uh, Kaminga, right? Yep, Jonathan Kaminga. Yep, Jonathan Kaminga kind of dove for the ball. And it didn't really look like he super hit Embiid's knee. It looked like he kind of just like grazed he, he, he past like hit it. He hit lower on his leg, I think. And He made contact, down. like, but it wasn't like a malicious dive. He was diving for the ball. Yeah. And then Embiid went down and was out for the rest of the game. Something was very clearly wrong with that left knee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fast forward then, like, the speculation was out because it was reported by a couple people I think Woj was one of them, and then the like a Philly beat reporter both said a meniscus injury. They did not say a tear because that was not kind of public info really at all. Mm-hmm. It just said there was a meniscus injury, and then people were saying, oh, it's a tear, it's a tear. Then they came out yesterday, I believe, and it was said what it was, which is a displaced flap, which is a type of meniscus tear. Um, so there's all the doctor talk out of the way, kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. Most likely is done for the majority of the rest of the regular season, if not just the entirety of the 23-24 season. Um, and we might not see him again until we roll all the way around and tip things off again. Kind of dep- Meniscus is a weird part of the knee because, I mean, there's all sorts of stories. Robert Williams III is one of them where, like, uh, in the Celtics run where they ended up losing to the Warriors in the finals, he just got his meniscus taken out and was back in... I think he was back in four weeks, but it was supposed to be closer to six to eight. Yeah. Um, but it like it has lasting effects if you get rid of your meniscus. It does a lot for the stabilization of your knee. Um, mm-hmm. Again, take this all with the grain of salt. I am not an ortho or I almost said orthodontist, an orthopedic person. Yeah. I'm just a guy that's read stuff online. So, <laughs> yeah. Grain of salt. Um. Another great example or notable example of that is Dwayne Wade back in like the 2014 range with the Heat of, to make one last run with them. Uh, he, but it was had, like known. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, he he was closer to the end of his career probably because he had been struggling with a lot of injuries at that point. But he just got it taken out so he could play in the playoffs that that year, and then he ended up retiring five seasons later. Really, he made it five more years, but he was not the same Dwayne Wade after that for sure. Um, it's definitely like a it's. You're sacrificing like longevity and explosiveness, and, and it's just because it with a guy whose nickname is literally the Flash. You know, <laughs> it's probably not going to do super great things for the rest of his career, but yeah, with knees, yeah, and and Bede's already had a lot of knee issues. That's been because he already has one of his meniscus gone. I don't know if it's the because you have I think you have two meniscus per knee per, per knee. Think. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have like a lateral and then a. Whenever the opposite of lateral is. Um, Vertical? It's not, it's not internal. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. One of them is already gone. He already had one of them removed in a previous time. I don't know which one it was. But uh, he's probably going to be out for the season. And this has sent a bunch of things spiraling in terms of uh, the Sixers. 
having this level of season, he was the clear front runner for MVP, maybe the most clear front runner of MVP we've seen in a while, at least at this point in the season, obviously. There was a lot of it left, uh, just yeah. under half of it left. Um, but he was definitely the in control front runner. And now he's very clearly not because he's probably not even going to hit the 65 game mark, um, which makes him eligible for the post regular season awards. Mm-hmm. So I just think that it is just, it's, as Logan said, it's going to, it's kind of snowballed to a bunch of topics and it's worth bringing up. Because uh, I was looking at the current standings and what teams are hot and what teams are not. The Sixers might find themselves, despite being where they were when Embiid was playing, they might end up a play in team, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Yeah. If they definitely, if they spiral after this, that would be big and could definitely send them down there with the East not being like the most competitive. Obviously, not the West is like where all the uh, competition is for the most part. But East isn't, you know, it, the league is very talent rich right now. So, but. Cleveland um, and New York have already passed them, so Philly's currently fifth in the standings. Indiana, Indiana's could. right below them. Miami is on a downhill, but I wouldn't be shocked if Miami gets some things figured out. And then that already puts the Sixers Orlando. in the play-in. Yeah. Orlando, and then you've got the Bulls and the Hawks, so that's probably a little not. different. Yeah, probably. Um, not probably but uh, that's like, but there's a very real world where without Embiid, I would take the Magic, the Heat, and the Pacers. In like a series, like I think they're a better team than the Joel Embiid list Sixers. Emphasis on the Joel Embiid list, yeah. not there, because uh-huh. uh, if he is there, they're like the second scariest team in the East. Yeah, and probably. he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, um, so yeah, I guess if he gets his recovery expedited by doing the route of getting his meniscus removed, I think even then though he's still going to be out four to six weeks at the minimum. You would think and I'd probably go six to eight. I think is, 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 yeah, that's real. that's like the actual range that I think people give. But I, you know, I, we've seen people come back from a meniscus in like three to four weeks before. Um, at in the most extreme cases, he would still be ineligible because he only has four games left. Yeah, exactly for the sixty-five. So that's out the window. Not really a question anymore. It's more just how does this snowball and impact the rest of the NBA? Sucks for Embiid because of you can't emphasize it enough. Like. Especially even, I feel like after we had that conversation, he like tuned it up. Like he had a couple huge games. Oh yeah, after we had that conversation, game, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, and he really was looking like having one of those seasons. But I did notice one of his absences happened to be in a uh, certain arena that we've been to a couple of times. Yeah, and I'll let you run away with this one because it's, I mean, it's Nuggets land. So, uh-huh. yeah, so. You know, the whole Embiid ducking Jokic narrative that I feel like a lot, it's it definitely made like national media circles this year more so than it did even last year, which I feel like it is when it really became Any of a the past thing. five years. Yeah, any of the past five years, it never came up until this one. Yeah. Last year, our podcast covered it, and it was a big thing in, in the Denver media world because it was like, it's literally the fourth season in a row that he's not playing here, and he just went off against, you know, uh, Jokic in, in Philly recently. And so it, it became clear that it's like obviously part of his uh, campaigning for the MVP award, trying to prove in that specific matchup who's the more dominant player, uh, which I don't think should be a knock on Embiid at all that he cares about that because that's just natural for a competitor to, you know, it's the weirder person in this scenario is Jokic who doesn't care at all. Like that's the weirder guy <laughs> in, the, in this scenario. Not Neither one is necessarily bad, but uh, they're just different. And Jokic plays those games like they're just any other, you know, regular season game. 
It puts up his required normal numbers, you know, like a 25, 25 10, 7 at least, 50. you know. It's a 25, like 10, 9, 10. I'm mm-hmm. going to call it 10. It's pretty much a triple-double yeah. just regularly. Sometimes he'll get 15 boards and only 7 assists. Yeah. Sometimes he gets 15 assists and only 7 boards. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Exactly. So he does those normal numbers. And Embiid, you know, just takes a lot of shots. He was really efficient, to be fair. It helped that, like, from the mid-range, he was just, like, on the whole game. Like, he was not missing. So he just was going to work in the mid-range all game long. And it definitely won his team the game. Like, it wasn't like he was just points hunting and stat chasing like to the detriment of his team like it was definitely helping his team win he for sure he put his team in the backpack and just did it yeah he just yeah mm-hmm. but it definitely was a lot of like getting his own shot and stuff like that so like just the, the idea of him doing that and then not allowing every single year in a row to have Jokic have the home court advantage which this never gets brought up enough in this conversation, it gets brought up all the time when like games are actually being played in Denver. But you know, the Denver Nuggets franchise historically, out of any franchise in the NBA, has the most significant home court advantage when loss record wise than any other team. That's almost every sport. Probably Denver teams yeah. always do. Yeah. No, it's I mean, like like this as a factual piece of info, maybe not baseball, but I'm almost positive football is a similar story where the home field advantage of the mile Being high. the altitude, the mile high, mm-hmm. um, just gives them an inherent. Even when they're bad teams, they just sneak out some wins and have every franchise just oh, about yeah. has bad teams. So, because so, I guess um, Salt Lake is the the only thing they're in is the NBA. So that's the only thing you can go based off of, and and they, they're the second best home court advantage. Is yep. very similar reason. Uh, Denver's uh, significantly higher though in altitude than Salt Lake. So the, yeah, the altitude there just getting like players getting acclimated to the difference in altitude. Is something that it's hard on, you know, the respiratory system. They are they get winded a lot more easily, essentially, is what it boils down to. Where it's the most noticeable is like earlier on in the game. That's why Denver's also Denver at home is like the best first quarter team in the league because where you're feeling it the most is in the first quarter while you're getting acclimated to the altitude. And then also it hurts Denver on the road because it goes the opposite way as well. It's not as significant as when you're going up in altitude where you have to get reacclimated, but there is a reacclimation process that you have to undergo when you decline in elevation as well. Um, it's just a difference in the oxygen intake levels and you know stuff like that. So it just makes the Nuggets a just uh, scientifically, you know, more advantageous for them to be at home and less advantageous for them to be on the road. And so that little factor is just another wrinkle in this on top of the other things we've already talked about. But uh, that's so that's basically the, the story of why Embiid sits out those games in Denver. And the last time he has played in a game in Denver, we were both there in 2019 and Jokic hit a game winner in that game. And that is also one of the only two times Embiid has ever played in Denver. The other one was in his rookie year where neither of them had even made an all-star team yet. So not really even part of this era. But this year, it definitely got the most reaction, biggest reaction for sure. Number one, because of how long it's been, like how the pattern has continued. But also the fact that he was a late game scratch was a big talking point for head coach Michael Malone. And others, because, you know, for those who don't know, it was 15 minutes before the game. I don't know when exactly he did get put on there, but I I know for a fact that what has been reported is 15 minutes before tip-off, he was still not on the injury report, which is just, that's insane. (laughs) To go, I don't don't know if that's ever happened. Michael Malone has said that he's never seen that happen, where a player 15 minutes before the game 
is not even on the injury report. He's listed as active. There's no sort of question mark on him at all. And then all of a sudden he's out. Um, Yeah, that I mean, they got fined for it. Yeah, that's how, yeah, a serious or like uncharacteristic or unlike, you know, common of a thing that is. But so the story I've heard, because I I think that there's definitely a lot of people that the main reaction from people was that he was he was ducking Jokic and that's what he was planning on doing the whole time. But me personally, I kind of feel like there might be some validity to the the theory, at least, that he actually was planning on playing. And it's just like a very unfortunate circumstance where or coincidence that he also just so happened to start going through this knee injury at the same time. And it overlapped with this game that was he had circled on his calendar of like, I got to play. I got to be available for this game. And the reason why, you know, people are saying that is because I think it was the game of right before. I'm not completely sure on that, but it was shortly before the at Denver game. The uh, Sixers played Indiana and uh, in that game, Embiid had a tweak to his knee. So he had, you know, it was a little bit of a injury that he developed there. And then after that, he apparently told this. I, this is not confirmed, I don't think, by it might be confirmed somewhere. I haven't seen it, but I've just heard people say it. That apparently Embiid told the Sixers medical staff that he didn't even want them to put him on the injury list at all. Like he wanted them to, to keep him off the injury report uh, because he was like, there's no doubt uh, I'm promising, you know, myself and everybody that I'm going to play. I'm going to be available for the Denver game. You know, he was just making a point that he wanted to play in that game no matter what. Which, and then man, when as like. My delusional self has, like, gotten past the Sixers. Like, I have no fear of them at all. If that's true, he is up there as one of my, like, I just like this guy guys. Mm -hmm. Because, like, his trolling is funny. But, like, just like Trey Young, like, a Knicks fan will never be like, Trey Young's pretty okay at basketball. (laughs) He, like, will just hate him inherently. Yeah. And, like, because I think Trey Young is hilarious but then when he did it to the Celtics last year in the first round, I'm like, I get why it's annoying. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get why it makes you mad. Um, I feel like Joel Embiid, like, I've gotten past the, like, amount of hate I should have in, like, the Sixers-Celtics thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, honestly, it's, I mean, he's he's really good at basketball. But then, like, if that's true where he's like, I'm sick, because he does care what people think, like, yeah. kind of a lot. Uh-huh. So if he's like, I'm playing, I don't care. Keep me off your list. I'm doing this. Uh-huh. And that's pretty... That's I mean, admirable. if he would have yeah. followed through, it would have been way harder. Yeah. He didn't, so it's a little bit less like, okay, big dog in the house. Uh-huh. I just I just think that... I mean, that's, that's pretty ballsy to be like, okay, I'm doing this. I mean, playing a game... And I don't know how you feel, I guess. I feel like past years, dodging definitely happened. Yeah, yeah, I I do think so for sure. Last year, I think he de- he won because there was he had zero injury. There was no injury that he 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 came right back the next game. He he, didn't, he, like- he was hiding in the locker room, which people on TikTok, by the way, commented when we talked about that back when we first started posting TikToks. It's called mm-hmm. me a liar. Said that I was capping by saying that he was he was hiding in the locker room. But if you guys didn't believe me then, then you should believe me that in this year, this game, he was doing that all first half. He didn't come out to the uh, bench until in the second half so he was doing it again you know this year but <laughs> he didn't fully do it all the way but uh, yeah last last year though from people in denver all said that he was he was spotted back in the tunnels and hallways near the locker room but he was never out on the court at all 
and yeah, so but this I think year there feels was different. Was this year feels different? Was my biggest like kind of like yeah. point is yeah, and then he ended up getting hurt. So obviously there was something with his knee. It was mm-hmm. the knee that got tweaked, if we want to call it that, against the Pacers. Mm-hmm. It was the same knee. Like there was very clearly something wrong. Yeah, he was just his very unfortunate timing. Yet he was able to go like so banana crazy in Philly. Jokic also had a fine game, but in Philly he had such a kind of dominant performance like you talked about Mm -hmm. and then to like coincidentally for the fifth time in a row not play in denver yeah uh yeah it just looks a a little (laughs) like yeah it probably but the thing is for me it feels like if if he was planning on ducking the whole time Mm -hmm. it would just make sense for him it's like it doesn't make much sense for him not to be on the injury report at all heading into the night if he was planning on ducking because that Obviously, just looks way worse for him, like optically, if he wasn't on the injury report and then just is a late game or a late uh, last minute scratch, you know? And then it cost his team a bunch of money. Yeah. I don't know what they got, but I think it was like a sizable amount. 70,000, I think. I'm pretty sure. So, which it's fun. If the story that we're telling. $75,000. 75. Yeah. So, if the story we're telling is true. Then he told the, he told the Sixers medical staff not to put him on the injury report. And I'm then that, playing. yeah, and told them that he was playing, and then he ended up not being able to play, and they got the team, not him, got fined seventy five k, which is just kind of <sighs> it's just a funny thing. But I understand though the reason why, like, it's definitely possible that he was wanting to play that whole time, and then just fifteen minutes before the game, it was like probably can't do this because, uh, you know, he's gone through warm ups and he's still feeling, you know, the, the the soreness or the tightness or whatever he had going on in his knee, and then. On top of that, other situation on top of this is like all the players on his team that were out, a lot of them were late game scratches as well, or late last minute. I keep saying late game. It's before the game, but. Um, yeah, it was like right before last minute. Yeah. yeah. And so those guys were Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. So number two and number three of the best players on the Sixers. And then DeAnthony Melton, who I think is one of their, their top five guys, honestly. And then uh, Robert Covington, who's, you know, in their top eight guys' rotation. So They were playing without half of their rotation. Yeah. Over half of their playoff rotation did not play. And so Embiid would be playing with a hobbled knee, without all of his best players, like all of his starters, you know, on his team. Uh, And then also, on top of that, he's going against who he just a couple weeks ago called the best player on planet Earth um, as his matchup for the day. So... Sounds like probably not a wise thing to do to just try to go out there and soldier through it. So I think the right decision was made at the end of the day, although it optically looked pretty pretty rough for him. Well, no, and then I think I don't remember where this came up, but you know, it was totally you that said it. Like, probably pushed him to come back yeah. was the giant reaction uproar of why didn't you play? So then he does come back probably earlier than he should have. Yep. And now we just don't get to have Embiid for the rest of the season after he's having like a new, this is like Embiid 2 almost because of his like new getting his teammates involved element. Oh yeah. That is a bit, that's a huge part of not just their team success, but like him as a player. Why this is one of the best seasons ever is because of that. Like he's doing all the stuff he did last year that made him MVP. He's doing all of that stuff even better this year. And then add in that he's added this whole new element of like, which 
I, I shouldn't say whole new element because people underrate that Embiid this is how good he was before. Yeah, he's always been a pretty decent like whenever there's a double team, like he's a pretty decent decision maker, can he's a capable passer. But now the way they're running their offense is like solely based around the handoff game between Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, which last year it was all the the spread pick and roll game of James Harden and uh Joel Embiid, which for those who don't know, a handoff action like dribble handoffs, DHOs, and spread pick and roll are they at the end of the day they are the same type of action. They they get the same sort of advantage on the court, but the stats you're going to produce from them are different because in the handoff action, most a lot like the the big is going to come away with a lot more assists when you're running a handoff action because yeah. he's literally like he's it's a pick and roll, but the ball starts in the in the big man's hand, big hands, and the screen is the handoff. You know, and so yep. It, that's how it works. it's just it, the way they get into it is differently is different. But uh, so that's the main reason why I'd say Embiid's assist numbers are going up because he's handing it off to Tyrese Maxey just about every play down the court. And then last year he was more just like the the roller and the finisher in the two man game of of Harden and Embiid, where Harden starts off with the ball up at half court, and it's a it's a just a pick and roll game where Embar- and, uh, I keep almost calling him M-, M Harden, but Harden James Harden has the ball the entire set and then dishes it off to Embiid on the roll or a shooter. You know, if, if they overplay the, the pick and roll action, then there's the roll in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. So yeah, that, that's why I'd say he's gone up in that department for the most part. But on top of that, they also are using him more as a hub, uh, which a lot of teams have copied obviously with the nuggets win- winning the championship. Weird how that happens when a team wins the championship. Usually you see a lot more teams replicating that team. Yep. And I was also shocked to see how many, um, NBA teams were already kind of ready, already had their Jokic clones in place, yeah. and they just had to like flip the switch. Mm-hmm. Like the Rockets just had to be like, we're running it through Shengun now. And I mean, the Kings did it last year. They were ahead of the copycat, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, Sabonis had already kind of done that for him, but uh, it's it's definitely like elevated where everyone, even were like, oh wow, I didn't realize that that's how this team ran their offense. Yeah. And Everyone has like a pseudo clone. Yeah. It's funny when you think about how the Kings, like what all like the basketball analysts would describe them as offensively were like a cross between the Warriors and the Nuggets offenses, which were two of like the most unique and I guess like effective offenses that we've seen in the past decade. And so they were like a cross between those two stylistically. And it's like no wonder why when you look at the head coach of the team is Mike Brown, who had been the assistant in, in Golden State the past six years. And the the head assistant in Sacramento is the former assistant in Denver, Jordy Fernandez. So like makes sense. And then yeah. uh, Chris Finch also is often credited as the guy who invented that offense in what, style. what Denver runs um, like around Jokic. Because he was the offensive coordinator in Denver back when Jokic first, you know, Yoke miss, the, the first Yoke miss ever in 2016 when uh, he became a full-time starter and we started building around him. Um, he's the one who implemented that offense and he's the head coach in Minneapolis now and uses Cat as that playmaking hub that, a lot. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's... I like Chris Finch a lot. I mean, he's coached the Wolves to be a... Well, they were the one seed for a long time. Yeah. Now the West, the one seed is pretty much a just slap fight who who played a game last night is the one seed between the clippers wolves thunder and nuggets yeah it's a crazy deal um yeah yeah which looking at this right now on nba standings on on google it's kind of funny it says 
the Clippers are in third because they have a higher they have a slightly higher win percentage than the Nuggets, but but they've played three less games. Yeah, and they are they're one point zero games back of the first spot. It says, but the Nuggets it says they're a half game back from the first spot, but they're the fourth. It, maybe it's head to head. And if you've played know. less games, the game back the games back mechanic is yeah mechanic is like based on number of games played. Yeah, it wouldn't line up with percentage exactly, especially when the percentage is as close as 0.681 versus 0.680. So, yeah, it's a wild deal. Yeah, uh, the Nuggets are 34 and 16 and the Clippers are 32 and 15. Also, something to make your heart happy. Brad Beal, we're currently recording on the 4th, his return to Washington has 33 points with 10 minutes left in the third. Oh wow, good Brad for Beal him too. Having, he's not had a great uh, no, season so far. No, he well, he's been battling some sort of something, but he's yeah. came back and he's in DC and he's cooking. So I'm there's an easy to feel good for type of guy. Mm-hmm. Shout out Brad Beal. Shout out. Yeah, the only guy in the NBA that has a no trade clause in his contract, <laughs> which is just still really? wild. Yeah, he's the only one, only current one right now. Um. Which is just nuts. Which is kind of goes into the thing we were talking about earlier, which I can't remember now if that was this episode or the one that it was got last, scrapped. It was our it was our scrapped recording, but I of, feel like it's kind of yeah. The play the player the teams that get in uh they get their hands tied by players because of their small market stature. I feel like we could kind of dive into that side. I feel like we've kind of touched on Embiid quite a bit already. I feel like we're good there. Yeah, I think so. Um, so the other game. half. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the other half of the Embiid thing is he's not going to get MVP or all NBA because he's not going to make it to even close to 65 games. Mm-hmm. And the 65 game thing is going to be in like a, a it's going to stay. This is going to exist. Yeah, it's, it's in the, the first year it's, of it. Mm-hmm. It's the first year of it and it's impacting like a lot of guys. Um Embiid was one of them. Another one that I think is going to be a lot more like, oh, this kind of hurts. Because Embiid might only end up playing 34 games. But Tyrese Halliburton, who is probably the best, just if you're going pure point guard, what mm-hmm. a quote-unquote point guard is, Halliburton is probably the best in the NBA at that. Yeah, He might not be able to be an all-NBA player because he's had a couple five-game stretches that he's taken off thus far and only has like three more games of wiggle room to work with to be able to play in 65 yeah. games. He was just out for like a month. Uh, for the hamstring injury that he had, which that that was where that's what tanked him down the games played thing a lot, for sure. Um, and so it's just gonna be it'll just be a problem that like people will have to look at, I guess. And it's it's hard because this type of a rule needs to exist. Like you can't, for lack of a better like Kawhi it and only play in forty games and still get all of these accolades and things like that. Granted, guys that played in only 40, or only 41 because it's a nice even round and middle of the season type of number, uh, those guys weren't getting those type of accolades anyway. Yeah. But, but there were a few just, like that were like 54 games would get it. Like LeBron. Like last year. LeBron who played, I think this was two years ago, LeBron who played 54 games made a third team. There's a few years ago now. It would have been two years ago. It was a few years ago now. The, the only third team LeBron's ever made. Because he's every other year he's been either outside of his rookie year where he didn't make any, but uh, every other year has been either first team or second team, and he has one third team. And that season he only played like fifty four or something really short. Yeah, 
And I th- and it's, there's just like a lot of guys that this year, moving past Embiid, moving past Halliburton, Devin Booker is a, a big one that he might not be eligible for awards. Uh, Kyrie's already not eligible, not that he would be in that same conversation, but like Donovan Mitchell. Uh, there's just a lot of guys that are already getting close to that mark. Uh, Kevin Durant can only miss 10 more games, which is not near as close as some of the other guys, but there's 34 games left. And if he sits a couple, he could sneak up and be really close to that 65. Yeah. Um, There's just some guys that definitely would be all NBA. that are just going to miss out. And it just kind of brings up the further point of there's just going to be guys that miss out that shouldn't. And it's just a hard, hard rule. And the, the thing, the case where it really matters a lot is the Tyrese Halliburton case specifically, because he has yet to, you know, get paid a big his big contract yet because he's still pretty early in his career, and he is uh, has not made an All NBA team yet in his career. You know, I think it. No, he has next year too for the so. Well, no, because the extension talks would be next year, so it'd have to be this year, right? I, th- I think he might already have his first extension. I want to say because he's he's he was in the Ant draft class, right? That's so they're in their fourth year now. So yeah, they've they've been done with that for a while. Because that's usually heading into the third season where a lot of guys are getting their extensions. Has he been in the league for four years? Yeah. For some reason, I felt like it was less. My brain is broken. He was in the Ant, yeah, the Ant and LaMelo and um, No, I'm sure you're Wiseman. right. My brain is just, yeah, 2020. Jeez Louise. Yeah, the, the year that a lot of, there was a lot of people who said he should go fourth. I, w- I was on the Halliburton right. train of thinking, like I wasn't thinking he was going to be a star. I thought he, was, he would be a really good piece and the draft kind of fell off after the top three and I thought fourth would have been decent spot for him. He slid all the way to 12th somehow, um, which a lot of people, a lot of GMs around the league are definitely kicking themselves now for that. But yeah, so he, if he were to make all NBA this year, it would be a difference of like 40 to $50 million worth of money that he would be able to get on his next contract. And so that's a pretty big difference, obviously. And and not saying that he can't replicate it moving forward, but like, yeah, he is having a season that deserves it, not a question. Mm-hmm. And if he ends up playing in 64 games, if he ends up really close, stays healthy, if he ends up only playing in 50, that or that's different. But yeah. if he gets, and he's in 60 games or whatever, and he's just close and doesn't quite get there. And the other thing that's hard is he's on minutes restrictions. And for games to count for this, you have to play in 20 minutes. Yep. And I don't think his minutes restriction is less than 20. But yeah, it's, it's the low 20s, though. I think the first game back, he played 21. And I'm sure that was a very intentional get him to at least 20-something yeah. and then get him out. But, like, yeah. just things like that are – it just – the rule I don't feel like should make things feel wrong. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah, it would I think be, 65 is too high. It would feel wrong if Tyrese Halliburton is not an all-NBA all, all NBA first, second, or third team. If he plays, let's say, 60 to 64 games and he's not, yeah, I'd say that's wrong. Is in, what's that's why your I, I, think 60, I think 60 should be the line or even low. I'd be open to it being lower because, like, I think it's important. You're just setting a baseline of it, you know, like the very minimum. Because outside of that, I think voters will take into account games played, you know? like Naturally, they just will. Like there's a guy who who if he plays like 56 games, he has a really good season. But this other guy who didn't have quite as good of a season, but played like you know 25 more games than him, you know that guy's probably going to get the spot based off of the voting history of of the awards. You know, so Jokic is a, like I mean that's Jokic is a walking example of that. The reason he didn't win it last year was because he only played three more games than Embiid, which is very as opposed to weird. The- 
But as you know, as opposed to the regular, because Embiid or Jokic has played, he didn't have any eighty twos. He had a couple eighty twos. Yeah, he's had four seasons, I believe, where he played every single game. Last year was his least healthy season, and it was Embiid's most healthy season of his career. And and, he's, and he still played more than him. Uh, Jokic played sixty nine games last season, and Embiid played sixty six. And it's it's just like there's just things like that where it just is a weird. And the other part of this whole thing that this brings up is now the fact that this imp- impacts money. It just makes it so much more of this weird yeah, rules, the sure. a system that's already messed up and broken. Like Halliburton Brown having the ability to get that type of a contract, and Halliburton not. Granted. Brown's been doing it longer and Halliburton's kind of exploded and yeah. only has a maybe combining the two seasons together has one year's worth of he's kind of sort of that guy, but it's still like it that's just b- bad. It's just is fundamentally flawed system in the media, which we could go that could be a whole episode of how the media just messes things up. Uh it it's just difficult and it's hard to really quantify on what this is just bad. It's just bad. Mm-hmm. Please fix it, Adam. Yeah, I, but it's it's hard to think about what other method you would use to get somebody to that mark because I think we talked about it last time, but to explain why this exists in the first place, why it's not just like let the market decide whether or not you're worth a supermax. Oh. Um, yeah, because that was a point that I brought up was like, why does it have to be, oh, you have to have these accolades to get this extra money. Just make like the the value of- What teams are willing you, to pay. What you're worth. Yeah. What the teams across the NBA, everybody will take the highest deal. That's just almost always what will happen. Mm-hmm. So if no one is willing to pay you more than X number of dollars, you're just worth X number of dollars. But then you pointed out the why that would be a problem. Yeah. And I guess to explain it even in better detail this time around, it really starts back with the, the bird rights becoming a thing um, because, you know, that was put into place to protect smaller market teams and try to keep, you know, the same people staying in in the same market for longer, you know, keep stars in the market that drafted them. And so the bird rights, for those who don't know, is that the team that has your bird rights, the team that you signed your last deal with, they are capable of paying you like 5% more, I believe is the number, than any other team is able to pay you for your next contract. So you can, and also they're able to sign you to an additional year. So a, a max contract with bird rights is five years, while if you signed with any other team, it'd be four years, which is pretty major. So you get more money and more years if you were to sign with the team that has your bird rights. I think it's 25 versus 30%, I believe is the numbers of your, of the salary cap of the team's so, team salary and cap. Fa- so for full bird rights, the only limit in place is the max salary a player can receive. It is 25% of the cap, 30% of the cap, or 35% of the cap. I'm trying to figure out what the different, like what makes it 35 as opposed to 25. What? Um, so you said that that's what. So, okay, this is. There's well, bird rights. Long. So it gets more extreme the longer you've been with the franchise. If, if that's So I'm assuming that that's, it starts at 25% of the cap is your yeah. bird rights deal. And then 30% of the cap is the middle ground. Once you've been, I think it's like goes by like five. Uh, I think Two. It's, yeah, the first milestone is like four or five years. And then it's like seven or eight. And then, you know, 11 or 12, something like that. A team gets but, a player's non-bird rights if he spends a single year with the team. A team gets a player's early bird rights if he spends two years with a team without leaving in free agency. And a team gets a player's full bird rights if they spend three years with their team without leaving in free okay. agency. It doesn't have to be on a three-year deal. It applies to a players on 
it can apply any way that you've been with the same team for three years. Okay. So it's not even, uh, all right. Well, so it turns out the same way usually, but it's not the rule that I thought dictated it, which was who signed, who you signed your last deal with, um, is how I thought it worked, but it makes, it's wherever you're, you've been actually playing, actually like existing you know, on the roster for the last several years. Um, but it's if you if it's if you leave in free agency because I've learned this via you that if if you're traded you get the bird rights traded you, yeah. the bird rights it's like it, it's on your team, contract yes they're trading you your bird rights along with your contract to the team that they're trading you to yes is how that works yeah so that's what bird rights are and uh, that was you know put in place to protect smaller market teams who aren't as big of free agent destinations as like an LA or a Miami or a New York, obviously. Yeah. And so then another thing that was put in place to, you know, go, go even further in that direction, because still, even with all of these rules, we still see a significant advantage with those bigger market teams like the Lakers, you know, year after year are getting the star players to come and flock to their markets. This other thing that they added was the All NBA thing. So, like, if you make All NBA, then you are able to sign for more money. You're eligible for a super max deal. So that combined with the bird can make you have the highest amount possible with the team that drafted you. And so, the reason why they they have that is because if you with the bird rights thing, the team that owns you or not owns you, wow, that was <laughs> <laughs> uh, the team that owns the, your rights, that owns your bird rights, they are able to sign you to you know a significantly bigger contract if it's a smaller market team with a, a star player that maybe isn't worth that to every team in the NBA, like the Lakers, but are worth that to say like the, the Memphis Grizzlies, then that puts the Memphis Grizzlies in a scenario where they are signing a lower commodity, you know, a lower value player for more money because- A Jalen Brown. Yeah, because of the lack of free agency attraction destination, you know, factor that they have. Uh, so then if it were to be just a outside of NBA, like there were no requirements for what makes you eligible for a Supermax and like a team can just pay you that if they think you're worth that. You would have then people way can, worse than Jalen Brown getting Yeah, money it puts way more power to the player in that situation who plays for a very small market team to put the 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 smaller market team's hands are basically cuffed you know it's like either we go back into mediocrity or even worse for a long like a the foreseeable completely we lose the asset completely or we just tie a third of our salary cap to this guy because we have to yeah and that makes that makes sense so but yeah honestly we didn't get into this last episode yet or i shouldn't say last episode but the the pre-existing the lost the lost tape yeah of this one was honestly, I wouldn't be opposed. I know this it would never in a million years happen because of I can already imagine the amount of people who would push back against it. But just me personally, I look at every year the I keep an eye on the MVP tracker from Basketball Reference. I think they have a really good MVP tracker. It does all the calculating of like a player's statistical case for the MVP award, and that's all it's taking into effect is, is like the number of games they played, how efficient they have been, like how how much they helped their team win, their on shares metrics, oh, yeah, all these, all things. that kind of stuff, and compares that to the historical winners of the award and sees who this year is having the most MVP esque season, and then it gives each of those players a probability of how likely they are to win the award, which is the what the percentage is is how closely their stats or their numbers resemble the average MVP winner and year after year it is chosen the correct player for MVP 
all the way up until last season because it, it had Nikola Jokic instead of Joel Embiid. Um, uh, Embiid close. is off that list now. Yeah, I, I was just about to mention that. To, oh. Just today was the first day that I've checked this and seen Joel Embiid completely drop out. The other day I saw that he had dropped to second or third, something like that. Assuming he'd missed some games, yeah. But yeah, I'm wondering if that was manually done because he hasn't he hasn't missed the the market because Tyrese Halliburton is still on here, you know. And I don't. Know I just how. think of the like, but Tyrese Halliburton. He's played three more games though. If I was a gambler, Tyrese Halliburton is uh, like almost hundreds of times more likely to make that mark, even if it's not a hundred percent. But then Joel Embiid, with the information we know now. He is just infinitely more likely to be able to play enough games than mm-hmm. Embiid is, I think. Yeah. Um, but maybe this is just, I don't want to say justice because it involves somebody getting injured, but it'll just, in our brains, all of us will collectively be, last year's was Jokic's award, and this year was Embiid's award, and it's fine, and everyone has the right number of MVPs. It just sucks that Jokic doesn't get his three-peat in terms of the the historical significance of winning MVP three times in a row. Because yeah. I think that it's it's like a cliff. It's like now that Embiid's, we're going to call him out of the race, it's Jokic on a plane, and then there's like this drop. Oh, yeah. And my brain goes like, Shay. I guess it's exactly the three people. Well, they have a bigger drop for Luka than my brain does. But it's Shay and Giannis is the next two in terms yep. of highest probability, which I totally agree with. I have Luka up there also. Lucas just because my brain... Lucas four, but percentage-wise, they have him a pretty big drop after Giannis. Oh, yeah. Um, that I think that's just because the but... team record is the major thing there. Because yeah, historically, that... teams that have what the Mavs have right now, have they have never had an MVP. Other yeah. than Russell Westbrook might have been close to that. The, the, the triple-double. The triple-double, Russell. Yeah. So, But that's definitely an outlier. That would be an outlier in this. I'm not sure if they would have had Russell... I, I would doubt that they would have Russell Westbrook on here. I don't know if this existed in 2017 or not, but I doubt he would have been on here as number one. Uh, I think it would probably have been Harden or Kawhi that year, to be honest. But anyways, I think that I'm sure that you'll probably push back on this knowing you, but I feel like I would honestly be happy if we just use that. And it was just like, whoever is number one on there is just MVP. (laughs) Because I feel like, I feel like it more often be correct than if we let voters, because last year is a perfect example of not statistical case or basketball case or it was a mm-hmm. narrative thing driven yeah that just all like the momentum of this big narrative that happened after Jokic started going through a slump at the end of the season because he was like not he's basically care, stopped caring about the end of the season also i think still that he wanted Embiid to win the mvp because he, he was to be tired done. of being asked about it. he was tired of all the drama around it and it started becoming a race thing and then, like, he wanted to be done. Yeah. Oh yeah, because uh, was it Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins. Perkins? Yep, made it a race thing. And uh, and us living in Nebraska, we uh, all I'm sure both of us had people in of our family become oh, yeah. more and more aware Not, of that now because of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which I thought was wild. Yeah, um, and it's fine because it's ESPN's job to find talking points. But I just was that one was shocked. a little Yeah, I was like, what? And then, the, and then and what made it even more of a viral clip too was the fact that the person who pushed back on it and was arguing with it was JJ Reddick. He's a white person. And then I think my favorite part was that the mediator of the conversation was Stephen A. Was Stephen A. <laughs> just in the middle. The he, guy and he was agreeing with JJ, but more than more, yeah. Perkins. Yeah. But I feel like he was also just like it was just weird to have like the guy that you think is like 
confrontation incarnate. Yeah. Be the one to be like, let's take a chill pill, guys. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so anyway, it, it was just getting uh, ugly. I feel like Jokic was like, honestly, I don't even want the award. Just give it to You could take my other two that I have. I don't just stop. Yeah, Leave I me mean, alone. literally, the the his last MVP that he got, he left it in the arena after they gave it to him. Like he just left it. Like somebody, a staffer of the saw? arena had- Got to see or not? Say that again. Sorry. Is that the one we saw when we went to the playoff game? Or was that that, his that was his first one. I think it was the second one. Because that was the that Suns in four game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we've told that before. Though. was in the Warriors series, I want to say, in the playoffs. He left the award at the arena, and uh, arena staffer had to like chase him out to his car and be like, no, take this, <laughs> like, take this home. <laughs> like That's how little he cares about the MVP award. Uh, so he, he took the rest of the season off, which this was just a factor that ended up in the narrative thing and then also like the, the race thing, as we brought up. And on top of that, Embiid, was that was late in the season when Embiid had that great game in their one head-to-head matchup that they played. For those keeping track at home, NBA teams are supposed to have two every year. Yeah. They're supposed to be a, a home and away if yeah. you haven't picked up on that. If you're in opposite conferences, <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing was people saying that Jokic should not get a third straight because historically he would be an outlier, which is not even true, which that's the thing that makes me even more mad about it, is that it's not, it's not breaking the precedent. Because literally, the one of the three people, there's only three people ever who have won three MVPs straight. That's Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, and Larry Bird. And the thing that people always brought up was all three of those guys have won championships. But it's like, you're not taking into account how he probably should have been on a championship caliber team, at least the two years prior yes. to this, if his team was healthy. Mm-hmm. So you're taking away that from him. And then also you're discounting the fact that literally Wilt Chamberlain, the season that he won his third MVP, when the MVP was awarded to him, he did not have a ring yet. He won the championship after. that season in the playoffs. The same thing that would have happened to Jokic. To Jokic, exactly. So it wouldn't have been like that wild. Also, like what's there's so many crazier things like that happen for the first time every single year than that. You know what I mean? Like why are yeah. we gate like I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Gatekeeping. Is, gate, yeah, gatekeeping. Why are we gatekeeping that so hard? And like, instead of just giving the person the award who deserves it, you know what I mean? So yeah, that was the big thing that it was like narrative driven, not about basketball. Basketball reference doesn't have feelings. It doesn't have narrative. It doesn't even have to be basketball reference, but like a similar type of you know, numbers. But then that's, I guarantee you, if that were ever to be a thing, people would be nonstop complaining about it and people there would be all these theories about how it's rigged and who has control over it you know and all those it's it's be it would be a wild mess but yeah i wish things were simpler and that's just what we could look at i would be down if uh like it was weighted and this was like half of the weight oh yeah it could be a factor in it because the, we we went into it and the media is terrible yeah they're Mark better, they're, they're better than any other pool of people. Yes. To, the, if you had to take a, a hundred random people, the media pool is probably better. Be, better than but, even players, even coaches, I'd say. Uh, yes, because there's, they're way less on the personal relationships, you'd mm-hmm. think. Yeah. But there is just some things where you're just like, don't love that, you know? Group think and narrative and all, yeah, all that stuff is just thing that I would like to get rid of. Obviously you can't really do that with people and opinions. Yeah. But it's it's just tough. It so you're right. I don't love like this I don't want this to be the only thing that decides. I would not like that at all. Yeah. But I'm I, I bring like, this up as maybe this could decide all in BA. 
you know, so it's, it takes it out mm. of the, the voters' hands of like deciding who, but then, Gets the that, money. but again, the same complaints would happen of people like saying, I guarantee, like people who think the NBA as a whole is rigged, like that, that is an actual like population of people that exists pretty widespread in the nation yeah. of America, which is just wild to me. But like the people would think that this thing spitting out numbers for sure. So many people who would automatically think it's wrong and messed up and corrupt, you know? So it wouldn't be something that people would get behind as a... No, I think that, like, if you were to take a third of everything, all-star everything, you make a third of it be a robot system, mm -hmm. and then the other two-thirds are split into thirds the way they are now yeah. for the all-star, but then the other two you would have a media and then, like, a coach's GM or something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Or fans. But can't be players, not fans. Fans should not be picking for all NBA. I do not believe. Oh, no, for all NBA. Yeah, I thought you were saying all-star. No. Sorry. No, I'm saying for all-stars, it's the exact system it is now, except you just jam what is now 100% into 66%, and then this becomes a third of it. And then for all NBA, this can be like half, and then the other half is like oh, okay. GMs and coaches yeah. or GMs and owners or someone that like... And media, right? You're including media. In and with media, yes. Yeah. Like it would be wedged in some weird magic way the system now is better than what the worst would be but it's far from the best mm -hmm. um but i am butting up against my time that i'm going to need to depart yeah so um, it's a good place to wrap up it kind um, of a, I, th I think we just end it here abruptly honestly because uh, i think we yeah. kind of finished that 65 game rule thing like we both think it should be lower uh yep. 60 but we both like that it exists yeah, but yeah thank you guys for listening appreciate it check out all the stuff do those things. Patreon.com forward slash hoop theory. Buy me a coffee. Buy Logan a coffee. He's putting in the work, cutting up these clips, captioning me. Do you ever think, try to do that. Think about it. Uh, all of these, <laughs> all of these things, check them out. Um, also head on over to hoop journal uh, as, or the hoop journal. They've got a lot of great stuff. I don't know what all their other weird things are. Cause yeah. I didn't look, but check them out and then keep it tuned here to the hoop theory podcast feed as they will be kind of on our podcast as well as sometimes we'd like soon. to have them on yeah so yes very soon as soon as we can make it work uh because it's four people schedules not an easy thing to coordinate uh -huh. with that being said logan is there anything else you'd like to add before uh we depart thank you for listening you know we appreciate it stay happy stay healthy we'll talk to you guys next episode peace